welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Ray Vana. Rebel HQ contributor all star. Always fascinating to have on the program. Top story of the day the state of Florida wants you to believe that anti slavery abolitionist, Frederick Douglass, was in fact an Uncle Tom. Let me first go to the video and I will give you significant background. Here it is. Children. Our founding fathers knew that slavery was evil and wrong, and they knew that it would do terrible harm to the nation. They wanted it to end, but their first priority was getting all 13 colonies to unite as one country. The southern colonies were dependent on slave labor, and they wouldn't have joined a union that had banned it. Are you okay with that? I'm certainly not okay with slavery, but the founding fathers made a compromise to achieve something great, the making of the United States. It was America that began the conversation to end it. But Leo is correct that big problems need to be approached very carefully. Have you kids heard of William Lloyd Garrison? No, nope. He's an abolitionist like me. And he and I used to be friends, but we aren't any longer. We don't agree how to solve problems. William refuses all compromises, demands immediate change. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he likes to set things on fire. Sounds familiar. Sounds like you know the type. Yeah, we've got that type in our time. So, you're trying to work for change inside of the American system. Precisely, Layla. Our system is wonderful. This is insane. This is extreme. And this is the state of Florida. Florida schools have adopted, have adopted curriculum from PragerU. Let me give you some background and insight. All right, um, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, Douglas said, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham your boasted liberty and unholy license, your national greatness swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciations of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings with all your religious parade, and solemnly are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. A thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. A nation of savages is what Frederick Douglass called the system he was fighting against. He did not say, it is better to compromise for the greater good of America. He called America a nation of, that would 
which would disgrace a nation of savages. So Florida approved it. Florida's Department of Education just approved a new supplemental conservative curriculum and its instructional materials that could start being utilized in classrooms in the near future as the statewide education shake up continues. That curriculum was created by the Prager University Foundation. Don't let the name university fool you. An unaccredited organization that creates short educational video videos on topics like history, civics, philosophy, economics, and a number of social issues. The foundation was founded in 2009 by Alan Estrin and conservative radio talk show host Dennis Prager. On his website, the foundation is touted as a quote, free alternative to the dominant left wing ideology and culture, media and education that teaches American values. Now let's keep their pictures up. Some people are actually online saying they're shocked that this organization would blatantly lie about history. That they would literally put words in the mouth of men like Frederick Douglass who transformed this nation for the better. You shouldn't be shocked. These are the same men who told you Jesus was white. These are the same men who lied on God. You don't think they will lie on Frederick Douglass? There's more, although the organization rails against indoctrination or indoctrinating students on ideas connected to critical race theory, gender fluidity, systemic racism. Prager himself admitted that Prager U content is indoctrination. At the 2023 Moms for Liberty National Summit in Philadelphia, he said it, he admitted it. Prager once claimed falsely and without evidence that black students commit the overwhelming majority of on-campus hate crimes. And that if any racist and or black anti-black graffiti is found on campuses, it was black kids that did it as a race hoax. There's more. Prager also appears to be very upset that white people can't use anti-black racial slurs anymore. Quote, how many names have blacks gone through in my lifetime? What was wrong with Negro? What was wrong with colored? None of them, there's no problem with any of them. Prager once white explained on his talk show, according to New York Daily News. He also told a caller on his show, that the left has made it impossible to say the N word any longer. And that it's idiotic that you cannot say the N word. This was his justification for using the K word in reference to Jewish people, by the way. The Florida Department of Education reviewed Prager U kids and determined that the material aligns to Florida's revised civics and government standards. Prager U Kids is no different than many other resources which can be used as supplemental materials in Florida schools at district discretion. A spokesperson for the agency told the national news outlet The Hill recently Florida approved black history standards that would teach students that enslaved people personally benefited from slavery. Now, in all of this back and forth from the lie about critical race theory being taught in K through 12 education, to the fallacy of rejecting African-American studies as an advanced placement course. 
to the mandate that teachers have to teach that slaves benefited, benefited from slavery. Now PragerU getting the pass, getting the go ahead, getting the all clear in order to indoctrinate children to believe a lie. Here are the things you will not hear discussed. You will not hear facts, factual history or truth in the context of these educational debates. This is always about indoctrination. And I say it on day one right here on Indisputable, on day one. I say this critical race theory thing, that's a distraction. There is no critical race theory being taught. As a matter of fact, the statute doesn't even say they're banning critical race theory. It was a catch all, it was a marketing scheme. What they really wanted to do was ensure that they could indoctrinate students toward a lie because they know those students are the future problem, future problem solvers of this country. And if you could convince the future problem solvers of the nation that there is no problem to solve, they do not receive the adverse judgment that they deserve. So here we are. Once again, Florida, Ravonna thoughts. Yeah, so I've been covering this Prager U Kids beat for a while on my show because I think it's important to highlight how every conservative accusation is a confession. When they say that the left is indoctrinating children, what they really mean is we are indoctrinating children. So I can give a little bit of insight to what the, you know, obviously we saw the ridiculous revisionism, the racist revisionism of what Frederick Douglass stood for. The reason in that that episode of that show that the characters went back in time to visit Frederick Douglass was because they were watching the news at home and they saw coverage of a Black Lives Matter rally. So when they say in that little clip that everyone saw, oh, we have people in our time that just wanna burn everything down and won't work within the system, it is directly undermining what Black Lives Matter stands for. And I mean, this is a a show where they went back in time to talk to Galileo. And the whole point of that episode was to show that anti-vaxxers are right. And sometimes people are punished for telling the truth in science. I mean, this is not in any way, shape or form historical. And every single episode of the show has a political ideology moving it forward. There's a particular social issue, a right wing social cause that they're trying to push. This this shouldn't even be on the screens of any kids in this country, let alone being shown to them in school. This is mortifying. Of course, we're seeing this coming out of Florida. But of course, this is also the conservative wide movement to undermine our education system. So we need to be wary and watch out for this spreading out of Florida and into other Republican controlled states. That's right, Florida is a testing ground in many ways for some of this very adverse legislation. They are now openly lying to the kids, which means we have to be more intentional about educating kids at home and providing opportunities for them to receive education at the Civil and Human Rights Museum, etc. That needs to be just part of life now in order for them to receive the truth. A family is suing a medical facility, why? Because during the birthing process, the doctor 
decapitated the head of the newborn. And according to the lawsuit, according to the complaint, there was a cover up attempted. Let's put up the picture full mass. One of the saddest stories you'll ever hear. In Clayton County, Georgia, Clayton County PD has confirmed they've opened an investigation into a baby's death after a lawsuit alleging the baby was decapitated during delivery on July 9th. It was filed against Southern Regional Medical Center and others. According to the complaint, 20 year old Jessica Ross's water broke at 10 a.m. on July 9th. The young lady went to the emergency department at Prime Healthcare Service Inc. DBA Southern Regional Medical Center in Riverdale. At approximately 8.40 p.m., Ross was fully dilated and instructed to begin pushing. The complaint says the baby stopped descending due to shoulder dystocia while being delivered vaginally. This occurs when one or both of your baby's shoulders get stuck inside your pelvis during childbirth. Now, uh, there's a claim uh, that she was um, she was in delivery for too long. They waited too long in order for the doctor to arrive. That is a claim not confirmed. Uh, Dr. Tracy St. Julian MD reported uh, reportedly attempted to deliver the baby vaginally using different methods, including applying traction to the baby's head. The complaint reads, Dr. Julian applied tremendously excessive tension traction on his head and neck. It resulted in massive blunt force trauma, multiple skull and facial bone fractures, hemorrhaging on his brain, hemorrhaging in his neck and around his spinal cord, multiple fractures of the bones in his neck, all ultimately resulted in the child's decapitation. After not being able to deliver the baby, Dr. Julian reportedly decided to perform a stat section at approximately 11.49 PM. The baby's body and legs were then delivered at 12.11 AM and the baby's head was delivered vaginally. I know this is hard to hear. Obviously it's harder for the family to experience. They deserve justice. The lawsuit claims that the doctor did not even tell Ms. Ross. The doctor did not tell the family about the decapitation. She spoke to them at about approximately 5 a.m. July 10th, said nothing about it, according to them. The lawsuit also claims that the hospital discouraged the mother, Ms. Ross, and the baby's father, Mr. Taylor, from seeking an autopsy, saying a free autopsy was not an option for them under the circumstances. Instead, they reportedly encouraged the couple to have their son cremated instead of being sent to the funeral home. When Ross and Taylor demanded to see and hold their child, the baby was reportedly wrapped in a blanket with his head popped, propped, excuse me, on top of his body to conceal the fact that he 
had been decapitated by the doctor. The family was ultimately told about the decapitation by the funeral home, not the hospital. That's according to the family's lawyer. There's more. The family alleges that Dr. Julian failed to practice according to medical standards when she grossly negligently applied excessive traction on the head of Travian Isaiah Taylor Jr's head and neck and grossly negligently failed to do a cesarean section in a timely and proper manner resulting in Travion Isaiah Taylor Jr's decapitation and death. That is the claim on the lawsuit. The lawsuit also says Premier Women's OBGYN LLC is quote liable for the grossly negligent acts and omissions of his employee and or agent, Tracy Julian MD, who cared for Miss Jessica Ross and Travion Isaiah Taylor Jr. on or about July 9th, 2023. Additionally, several nurses are also being accused of gross negligence because they reportedly did not follow proper procedures once it was determined that a shoulder dystocia had occurred. According to the complaint, the nurses owed an independent duty to Ross and her baby. In other words, they cannot claim they were simply following orders. Let's put up the picture. When this press conference was done, the young lady was staring off in the distance. I know that look, she did not want to be there. The complaint is asking Ross and Taylor to be compensated for suffering and death of the child and the tremendous mental and physical anguish and trauma experienced by Ross, who was awake while the doctor was attempting to remove the baby. The complaint also seeks to recover damages for the full value of the baby's life, including loss of earnings and loss of enjoyment of life. The couple is represented by attorneys, Dr. Roderick Edmund, he's on the left, and Keith Lindsay of Edmund and Lindsay LLP, along with attorney Corey Lynch, I'm on the right end law office of the law office of Corey J. Lynch LLC. Fox 5 Atlanta reached out to the hospital, reached out to the doctor. Statements, no statements, the doctor declined to comment. The hospital is denying the allegations in the complaint. Now let me explain this, and by the way, Angelique Proctor of Fox 5 Atlanta News did a great job covering this story. So the hospital, they came out with a statement that basically said, we deny allegations as it relates to the workers at the facility. So they're basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing, they're basically saying, the cover up part, we're saying, no, we deny that and we're going to fight that. As far as the doctor is concerned, they started their statement by illuminating the fact that this individual is not an employee of our hospital, which is correct. Not technically an employee, it's a contract, okay? This is normative in the world of healthcare. But that contract is permitted by the hospital by way of contractual agreement. So while employment may not be the operational term or the legal term of art, this is an individual in the employment of, this is a contract worker. There's also this dynamic about the procedure itself. Is it something that is normative, especially given the circumstance? The mother went to all of her appointments, 
the mother was vested in the process and the mother was not told that this happened when it did. And here's the final straw, they didn't even report the child died to the authorities. Who reported it? The funeral home called the police. The funeral home called the police. You gotta think about that. The funeral home deals with dead bodies every day. They don't call the police because they receive a dead body. They did this time because they knew this young couple had been taken advantage of. We're gonna follow this story, Ravana thoughts. Yeah, I think just listening to this, every step along the way of the cover up of what happened on behalf of the hospital staff and the doctor herself, you can just tell that they really are trying to play on this young couple's grief, that they are thinking we can cover this up, we can take advantage of them, you know, hopefully avoid any liability by just continuing to remind them of the like unimaginable suffering they've just gone through. Do you really wanna see the body? You just lost your baby, it's gonna be really hard on you. Propping the head up, I can only imagine they didn't allow the couple to touch the baby's body. And then having to go through that, that horror, that tragedy, and then, Days later at the funeral home, have to relive that by being told that not only did your your baby die, there was a cover up by the hospital who negligently killed this child. It's mortifying, and of course, this couple, and as you pointed out, she was staring off into the distance during the press conference. They're going to have to relive the death of their child every day while they're seeking this justice that they absolutely deserve. So I think I, you know, I've seen some people say, "Oh, why is this story getting so much coverage?" I mean, of course, it's important to highlight that these things happen, and people deserve justice. And not often, too many times, they can't afford attorneys; they're not familiar with their legal rights, or things get swept under the rug. So when these things happen, it's important to provide this sort of support for the family while they're going through such unimaginable tragedy. That's right, and we will bring up dates as they come. A black father holding his baby, he's innocent, has done absolutely nothing. Cops got the wrong guy, here's how they treat him. Hey, please get the baby, please get the baby. Back up, back up, we're trying, we're trying. Back up, come on, man, you're squeezing him. Stop, you're squeezing me. Oh, you're too weird. Hey, please stop. There's more video. Here it is. Back up. This way, I'm, back I'm recording. Up. That's fine. You can record. You need to let us do our okay, job. Go ahead, bro. I'm not. I'm not doing nothing. I'll just back nothing. up. I'm right here, bro. Come down moving towards us. Ow. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, you can record all you want. You step forward one more time, you're going to jail. Do you understand me? Bro, I'm right here. You see this table? I was standing exactly you keep while I stepping forward. Seconds ago. Keep stop talking to me. I'm trying to see. Correct. I'm I'm stop. I'm done. Back up. Back up. I did. You just told me I was okay. Keep moving. Sir, you just told me I was okay. Keep moving. Tell me when it's in the far enough. Uh tell me when it's far enough. Right there. I can't see. Okay. This is a damn shame. I'm going to give you the background to what happened. Put up the picture for a mask. We're talking about Kenosha cops. In Wisconsin, this black father was beaten, wrongfully arrested by Kenosha police officers while holding his baby after they believed that he was involved in a hit and run crash, according to the police officers. They were responding to a hit and run accident when they believed the suspects fled to a nearby Applebee's restaurant. Witnesses allegedly told police that the suspects were two black men and a woman carrying a child who ran toward the Applebee's. Police also claimed they were directed toward the man. The incident, which was captured on cell phone video by employees of the Applebee's, shows police aggressively trying to arrest the black male. Officers then try to pry the crime baby from the man's hands as he pleased the officers. He did nothing wrong. Uh, let's go to Jennifer Harris. Let's put her up. Jennifer Harris was the manager working at Applebee's during the incident, says she witnessed the attack and feels bad for the family. She told WISN 12 News, quote, police came in and asked the family to show them what car they came in so they could verify if they were in the car accident or not. The guy didn't want to comply. He had his baby in his arms. The officers kept telling him he's not on arrest, but he's detained and needed to answer this question. She continued, he was trying to say he needed to change his son's diaper. He tried to go the other way. They tackled him into a wall and the baby hit his head on the wall. They continued to tackle him to the ground with the baby in his arms. It's just sad. It just, I just felt bad for the baby that it had to go through that traumatic event. I'm actually thankful that this manager decided to take the interview with local news. Many managers would not have done so. I thank you, ma'am, for telling the truth. The reality of what you just heard is that the officers decided to put a child in danger in order to effect an arrest of an innocent black male. That is not probable cause. You holding a baby, eating at a restaurant. You're not under arrest, but you have to uh, answer this question that we're going to not detain you. You're at a restaurant, you're eating. Investigators have other ways to figure out the time frame that you got there. Ask a manager and employee, how long have they been here? Oh, that's not our that's not our guys. The people we're looking for, they would have just run in. Something simple. There's more. Police later did admit. Police later admitted that neither the man they detained nor the woman he was with was responsible for the hit and run. But guess what? That did not stop them 
from being charged with crimes. Police charged a man they harassed with disorderly conduct, resisting and obstructing an officer. The woman who accompanied him received the same charges as well as a possession of marijuana charge. Kenosha police said they found the actual hit and run suspects hiding in the bathroom of the Applebee's. They were also charged. Let's put it up. Outraged by the wrongful arrest, community leaders like Tanya McLean, the executive director of Leaders of Kenosha, gathered outside the Kenosha Safety Building on Wednesday, demanding the officers being be investigated, demanding they be held accountable. McLean posed a question, quote, why did the cops feel they needed that level of force with a baby in his arms? What is it? That makes you feel as if you need to be so overly aggressive, so confrontational, like you're ready for a fight, end quote. A Kenosha PD spokesperson provided the following statement to the local news WISN, quote. The Kenosha Police Department has an internal process in place to review our officers use of force that is more robust than what the state requires. We were aware of the incident immediately as a result of that process and started a review of it. Currently, it is under investigation. The investigation when complete will be comprehensive and dictate whether the officers acted appropriately or not. And if any disciplinary action or additional training is deemed necessary. How about some additional arrest? In the video, you only see one entity committing a crime, the police. I want you to imagine just going to an Applebee's and eating food with your child. All of a sudden police rush in and they accuse you of committing a crime. They tell you, you gotta start answering questions. When you are baffled by what's happening, when you have a crime baby that needs a diaper change, you say, listen guys, I need to go change my baby's diaper. I've been here, that's my car, I'm walking to the bathroom. You know what's ironic? If the cops would have just followed him to the bathroom, you realize they would have actually arrested the right suspects rather than the wrong ones. But here's the thing, even when they realized they made a mistake, these sick SOB's egos are so out of control that they still have to arrest a father who's a responsible man at Applebee's holding his baby. They have to arrest him and they must arrest the wife too. It is insane, Ivana thoughts. Yeah, I mean, just to that point, absolutely those charges brought against them are, we gotta cover our own asses charges and not anything that, of, of course ridiculous to be charging her for marijuana possession. Of course ridiculous for him to be, to charge him and her with resisting arrest when there was no reason to be arresting them in the first place. And they endangered the life of a child as well as the man and the woman that he was with in doing so. And when you read the statement by the police department about the investigation, it boils my blood because the investigation doesn't need to take long. It should be exactly the length of watching that video that we just saw. And you know that they acted improperly. Everybody knows that they acted improperly. What they're trying to do is stretch this out, sweep it under the rug so that they don't have to hold those 
those officers accountable. They need to be at the very least fired, probably arrested for the assault of this man and endangering the life of that child. Everybody knows it, so I'm glad to see that the community leaders of Kenosha are demanding justice in this case. I want to see those charges dropped and I want to see compensation to those victims. And I want to see accountability for those officers and I want to see it quickly. Very well said, I completely concur. And just remember this was about a traffic issue. This whole thing is about a traffic issue. They could have killed a baby because of a traffic issue. There's no way this is proper protocol. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me go to some of these amazing comments. Thank you for joining the combo. Greyhound Dragon, that doctor and the nurses should not be allowed to be anywhere near patients. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're your friend. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You did say that as like something to challenge yourself with, right? But like in part of doing that and building relationships with other people is the other the other piece of that intentionally. I know it's part of it because you're moving back, like coming back home. So when you lived here before, what did that look like? Oh, sorry, hold on. Mm. Like I have the owner of the building on the phone. Really like he would like to I talk to you. I not only enjoy being by myself, I prefer it. You have to Don't touch me. That's what you're, do, just do not touch me. Do not record me. Do not touch me. Don't do it, I promise you. This woman is a therapist who has office space in that building. She's locked out of her office. This particular Karen decides that obviously this just must be illegal. And the Karen is unsafe. So she looks to physically assault the young lady. Proceeds to call the owner, according to her, and the police. Here it is. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Nice to meet you. Give me What's just a moment. The officers have been in the I'm conducting a hello. I'm conducting a meeting here in this space due to my office. I'm locked out of the office. I had a client I was meeting with. Okay. Um, well, she said that I was too loud, and she so I put in my AirPods. And but she's continued to come back and harass me, so I've started to report her. Okay. Okay. Um, well, if you would have just said that you're left out of your office, but who are you? I don't have to answer to you. And see, that's why I called the police. And that's fine. That's your prerogative. Um, police are typically called when people don't feel safe. I did nothing to you. I'm just conducting a meeting in a building that I lease office space in that I'm currently locked out of. But I didn't know that. And why don't you? Because you don't know me. So you're a stranger. So, so. We'll just let you get back to what you're doing. <laughs> That's all I want to do is just finish meeting with a client who has heard her come in here and try to hit, snatch, take a phone. Why am I in here? Who am I? If your office is upstairs, why are you down here? I don't even know her. 
Uh, can, can you ask me one question though? What is your, your I'm in suite 302, and if you okay. look through the door, you'll see Dr. Marquisha Frost on at the first, yeah, but the no, second I just door. Want to it's just, it's just, no, know, it's okay. I have clear. a business card no, no, no. and identification. We're just clarifying for the, for the cameras. That's no, all. I appreciate that. Okay. No, all of it is leased office okay. space. Well, yeah, different levels are different businesses, but yeah, all of them are why don't we lock up the Karen? Why don't we arrest her for, I don't know, misuse of 911, um, trying to snatch a cell phone away from another human being? Why is it, and, and I'm bringing this up because it has to be said, why do you never hear the officer say, well, let me see your ID too, Karen? Let me make sure you're supposed to be here. Why does that never happen? Let me make sure that you have an office space here. Since you called 911, I know you for sure. You got what? Where are you at? What office you're in? We don't see that. It is as if the individual who makes the 911 call they get a pass. Well, if they look like this, put up full mask. I'd be down. An unabashed woman demanded answers and called the police on a black therapist who was sitting in the common area of her office building. The common area, according to a viral video. The therapist, Dr. Marquisha Frost, posted a TikTok video of the unprovoked encounter on Monday. In her caption, Dr. Frost said that she was on the phone with a client in the building where she rents a space when the woman approached her and started asking her questions. What's your office phone number? The woman who appears to be white and is wearing a floral print purple t-shirt asked repeatedly, I would like to file a complaint, end quote. Now, a, a few issues here. Um, so the common area of an office building, okay? In order for you to have a trespass, Somebody of authority would have had to previously say, you cannot come here anymore. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. My point to you is the Karen in question did not have the authority to even enforce a criminal trespass. Which also means the law enforcement agents in a common area of a building should have never gone up to a doctor and said, let me see your ID just to make sure. These things are improper, they should not happen. All right, um, Ravana, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, of just off the bat, when the police officer shows up and the woman explains to him, you know, I was locked out of my office. The Karen's first response is to say, "Well, why didn't you tell me that?" And the woman is absolutely right to say. I didn't need to. Who are you? You had no right to be asking her, you know, even if she has a right to be there. And then you notice that the woman didn't respond, say, uh, well, who are you? And start trying to investigate the Karen because, <laughs> you know, she's not a Karen herself. I mean, the whole situation was ridiculous, especially for she felt so empowered to attempt to bully. This doctor, and I'm—I'll just say—I don't think that Karen is a doctor. Okay, she doesn't strike me as the type. Um, but you know, her calling the cops because she saw something that she didn't like, 
a black woman sitting in a public space in a building that she was walking through or rents a space and she didn't like that. So she called the police to deal with something that is absolutely not an issue with police matter at all or her any of her business. And you're exactly right to point out that they didn't ask for her ID. They didn't ask if she had the right to be there, what her business was in that building. And I also say they never you know, request compensation for the waste of police resources from right. these Karens. They need to start doing that because maybe then they'll stop wasting these police resources and our taxpayer dollars. Yeah, at some point, and it's going to happen. I just have faith it will that a Karen is going to immediately be arrested for Karenicity. It's going to happen. Hell of a thing. This is an indisputable exclusive. A black child swimming at an apartment complex gets attacked by the manager. Orange soda poured on the black child caught on camera. We're unable to show the visual of this. We can show you the screenshot. Here it is. Full mass. A white female manager of an apartment complex in Greensboro, North Carolina. Allegedly attacked a young black child while he was at the pool. 11 year old Jace was simply exiting at the pool at the Sedgefield Garden Apartments when 62 year old Kimberly Jennings right there decided to pour soda, orange soda on his face and then proceeded to hit him twice in the face is on the video. Once again, because this is a minor, we're unable to show the moving video. Argument over the child or children being allowed at the pool unaccompanied by their parents is what led up to the assault captured on camera. Jace Leary, uh, she said not to come back this time. The other time she never said not to come back. So that's why we kept going because it's summer and it's hot, it's a pool. Let's put up Jace. Jace wasn't the only victim. He claims before the manager assaulted him, she pulled his sister's hair and hit her in an effort to get them to leave. Now let's put up the manager again. So you like putting your hands on other people's children. Now see, that's abuse. Where I come from. Regardless of your rule enforcement, understand that children, that children will play. The children will seek opportunities to go swimming. And that your actions, regardless of your stated rules, are unlawful. We spoke to attorney Harry Daniels, along with attorney Ben Crump. And attorney Jason Keith, who will be representing the children and taking legal action. That's the team you don't want to see coming. Attorney Daniel said directly to Indisputable, quote, simply put, we're talking about two black children who just wanted to cool down in a local swimming pool. 
And that infuriated this woman so much that she wasn't satisfied with just assaulting them. She wasn't satisfied with pulling their hair and hitting them in the face. She wanted to humiliate them and she felt empowered to do it. Now I wanna remind you, she, after the assault, after the alleged assault, she does what? Pours orange soda in the face of the child. And he's there standing in a puddle of orange soda dripping from his face, his body down to his feet. That is sick. We reached out to the apartment complex. They did not respond for comment. I don't give a damn that they did. Let's put it up again. Let's put a face up again. This woman decided to do this to a child. Put up the child again. Put up the, there you go. After the physical assault, according to the video and the child, she then pours orange soda. And you know, she went back to her home and just bragged about what she did to these little black kids in the in the apartment complex. They, they had a laugh about it, I'm, I'm sure. Her and her friends. You won't be laughing long, madam, I guarantee you that. All right, thoughts? I am watching the, looking at the images of this and hearing this story, I it just makes me irritated at the argument that I hear people say all the time, well, we need to sit down with these people and have a conversation and that's how we overcome this bigotry. This is a woman who could, because of her racism, justify in her head assaulting two children, two babies, just yep. going out there and assaulting these kids and not just assaulting them, but then adding insult to injury with the soda because that is just absolutely despicable. It, she meant to degrade them, she meant to embarrass them and she meant to show that, that child, show that child that she thinks of him as a lesser being. These people need repercussions. There should, I mean, the police should be involved. She assaulted these children. But you know, of course, the repercussions that those you know excellent attorneys are going to bring down on her ass. Yeah. You know, that's what these people need to see. That's how you combat this racism. That's right. Very well said. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. They are becoming more creative by the minute with their criminality. All right, here's a video. Hey, go ahead and stop for me. Come on. Well, where you grabbing me? Yep, I told you you're under arrest. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, why are you? Oh, shit. Fighting. Just press me the balls. Yeah, you think you got me, but I let you. Control point 32, I got one running to the north. I'm a last hit. That's right there. This is for a stupid theft. Theft of what? Well, we're gonna figure it out. Inside. Alright, he's gonna roll to me. 
to you? Yeah. Yeah. I got you. I can do myself. Nope. Thank you. Put up the picture for mass. All right, let me give you the background to this. Quite interesting. The saga continues. In Vancouver, Washington, a cop is now in trouble for threatening to, well, taser a man in the genitals. Uh, that is considered to be improper use of taser. Um, Officer Andrea Mendoza was reportedly issued a fourth degree assault charge and was placed on administrative leave following the May incident. OPB reported the charges are considered a gross misdemeanor. Officer Mendoza, a veteran officer, is being backed by the Vancouver Police Officers Guild, who called her charges tortured and baseless, according to KOIN. Let me give you background to the incident. So the officers with the Vancouver Police Department, they were responding to a call about a theft from a male and female suspect at a local Walmart on May 21st. There it is, Walmart with their zero tolerance policy would prosecute their mama for theft. When officers arrived at the store's parking lot, they approached the suspects at the scene. The woman fled while officers caught up with the man. According to the police, the two officers were able to get the male on the ground. However, before he could be handcuffed, he jumped up, punched one of the officers in the face and kicked the other officer in the chest. According to the report, both officers began struggling with him to gain control. The department put that in a press release. Officials said Officer Andrea Mendoza allegedly threatened to use the taser on the suspect's private area. Knock it off or I will do it in your mm. The officer could be heard saying around 320, the 320 mark. I will up and tase you in the mm. The suspect's face and penis blurred out in the video. Per the video, he was transferred to a local hospital before being booked in jail. He was later identified as Elijah Jaden Guffey Prejean. And documents revealed that he stole $103 of stolen items in his pocket. That's according to the news station, okay? Now, some people are going to say, Rayvana, oh, he, he, he should not have been stealing. Well, yeah, okay, so he got arrested for theft, right? He got caught, he got arrested for theft. Walmart has this extreme policy about theft, okay? But the crime of improper use or the threat of improper use of a taser from an authority known as a police officer who is taxpayer funded, has a position of public trust, took an oath to uphold the law and the constitution is a much more grave offense to the societal construct 
than a young guy stealing $103 worth of items from your local Walmart. So you have to understand the impact of criminality here if you would like to weigh or judge those who may have committed theft. The officer has actual authority and actual responsibility based on that tax dollar and took an actual oath and actually engaged in a crime that violates that public trust. Ravana thoughts? I think that's exactly right. And if we are gonna weigh the balance of things, letting someone get $100 of item, stolen items from a multi-billion dollar corporation or allowing our police officers to act with impunity and abuse their power you know, at any whim. Obviously, allowing the police officers to do that is significantly worse for society. It's worse for policing. It's worse for the public. You know, because in that case, he did steal, but that was what's going to stop her from doing that to civilians who didn't commit crimes when she's trying to apprehend them. I mean, we've covered so many stories today about the police abusing the wrong person. You know, beating the wrong people. I mean, and if we say that in this case, well, it's fine because he did do the crime, then she's just gonna continue to act with impunity. And I will say that if we needed you know, any more evidence that you know, the police get off on their power over the public, her threatening to tase him in his private parts, I think is you know, pretty good evidence of that. There you go, all right. Indisputable exclusive, this is an interesting saga that involves Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport in Atlanta, the busiest airport in the world. Now, according to two former employees at that location, they are being railroaded and set up, put up their pictures. Two marketing executives, according to them, took the fall for misappropriated funds at the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta Airport earlier this year. Miss Tangela Jackson on the left and Miss Keisha Knox Scott on the right. The marketing director is Miss Tangela Jackson. Miss Knox Scott, the marketing manager at the Atlanta airport are speaking out about the allegations that they are responsible for misspent funds at their jobs. Local news stations reported on the situation based on the airport's internal investigation which cast the two women in a negative light, sharing some of the invoices for the funds in question, okay? We have those invoices as well and indisputable. Our investigative journalism team did a great job tracking these elements down. Ms. Jackson and Ms. Knox Scott say that the invoices went through an entire, entire approval process with the chief financial officer's team and would have been flagged if they found an issue with the payment. Local reporting stated that both women resigned before or during the investigation, making it seem as though they felt responsible for the misspent funds, okay? All right, so um, one quote said, those responsible resigned before officials began their internal investigation. Another quote, deputy GM. Uh, Farrell was completely cleared and two top marketing executives resigned during the internal investigation. Uh, Ms. Jackson and Ms. Knox, uh, Scott, got in touch with Indisputable uh, and said, and I quote, we both resigned from our duties as marketing executives 
within the marketing department at Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International Airport a month from each other and were not aware of the investigation as the media reports attempted to portray. Now that is their proclamation. Uh, let's put it up. Ms. Parker says that she was not, was she says that she was, excuse me, offered a position within another company and therefore resigned from the airport. Ms. Knox Scott says her medical team advised she resigned from her role at the airport due to documented health issues and changes in the work environment. Uh, they also provided indisputable with correspondence, dated correspondence of those two proclamations made. After reaching out to the Hartsfield Jackson Atlanta airport, they sent us a summary of their internal investigation, which reported the following conclusion. Quote, the investigations found in four instances of revenue diversion or expenditures paid for with airport funds are where the expenses were not events, goods or services related to the airport. In each instance, the services or goods were facilitated and or approved by Ms. Tangela Parker, marketing director and Ms. Knox Scott, concessions marketing manager, okay? It continued to say, quote, both employees were unavailable for interviews. Ms. Parker resigned on February 23rd, 2023. Similarly, Ms. Knox Scott resigned her employment on March 6, 2023 upon the conclusion of her FMLA leave effective immediately. Both women also told Indisputable that the deputy general manager, Ms. Farrell, had the responsibility to approve all invoices submitted by marketing. So according to them, the approval process had many layers and this was one of them. Um, it is important to note, Ms. Farrell was cleared of responsibility of misappropriated funds after the internal airport investigation. So we received proof of communications uh, that Farrell, Ms. Farrell was aware of some of these expenditures, such as the gift for the mayor's office that Ms. Parker was given responsibility for. Uh, and there goes some of those text messages. Uh, now here's the thing, we have um, a very solid uh, investigative team at Indisputable. Uh, they work all hours and they make sure all content comes to them and they vet it directly. What's happening here seems to be many layers, but a very, well, let's just say selective allegation. I'm not sure why some of these other elements are not part of the narrative, uh, but I do find it interesting that it is not. Okay, all right, Ravana, thoughts here. Yeah, I'm glad that we're covering this story so that these women actually have an opportunity to clear their names. It was not an opportunity they had during the investigation because they had for, you know, differing reasons resigned, not been able to speak to the investigators. And the statements made by the airport and in the media absolutely frame them. I saw this story this morning before I heard their their side of it. I saw it on Twitter and I was reading through it. And I would never have known that they <laughs> absolutely deny these allegations and that that the way that they're being framed is is heavily biased. So I'm glad that we're able to, you know, help them get the fuller story out there, especially I think the most compelling evidence is the text messages explicitly showing that the general manager 
was aware of some of these expenditures. So, you know, it just begs the question, how was she cleared of this investigation if they found that those expenditures were inappropriate and she was directly uh, <laughs> directly aware and approved them? Well, I'm sure development will come now, all right? Okay, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back, a lot of show left. Uh, Jen Hack, thank you so much. Welcome to Indisputable. You were already here. Looks like you, you know, forgot to renew, so you get a welcome back. All right, thank you for being a member for three months. Um, also, Gangsta T, we appreciate you so much. All right, Trump, Donald Trump is now running an adverse ad against against D.A. Fonnie Willis, who is leading the prosecution. In Fulton County, the man has not yet actually been officially indicted. Here it is. How far will the most corrupt president in history go to keep Republicans from winning back the White House? Meet the cast of unscrupulous accomplices he's assembled to get Trump. Alvin Bragg, the radical liberal New York prosecutor who refuses to prosecute violent criminals. Jack Smith, who's made a career persecuting innocent Republican officials. Letitia James, the socialist who ran on the promise, I'll go after Trump. And Biden's newest lackey, Atlanta DA, Fonnie Willis. So incompetent, on her watch, violent crimes have exploded. So tainted, Willis was thrown off one case for trying to prosecute a political opponent. So corrupt, Willis got caught hiding a relationship with a gang member she was prosecuting. So dishonest, Willis was accused of creating a fake subpoena. Welcome to the Fraud Squad. I mean, listen, I, I think that deserves at least, you know, 20, 25 more indictments for one county alone. That's that's just what I would do. I know that's wrong and unethical, but we're talking about Donald Trump. All right, put up the picture full mask. Oh, let's go ahead and get into it. Donald Trump is airing a TV ad in Atlanta and other TV markets that attacks Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis, who could soon Lead the charge against Trump with his fourth criminal indictment. Uh, Trump, a Trump campaign aide told NBC News that one minute political ad will air in Atlanta, New York, Washington, DC, as well as nationally. Trump is already facing charges in New York and Washington and Fulton County. District Attorney Fonda Willis is expected to present charges in her investigation related to Trump to a grand jury in Atlanta this week, next week. The new ad released on Sunday accuses not only Willis of past wrongdoings, but also names Manhattan DA Bragg, New York State AG James, and Special Counsel Smith. The campaign has advertising booked in ATL from Wednesday through Sunday. That's according to the advertising tracking firm Ad Impact. The response from DA Willis, um, who's an honorable person, uh, in an email Wednesday, Willis instructed her staff to avoid commenting on posts or posting on social media about the ad. Willis also slammed the ad as derogatory and false and urged her staff to remain focused. We have a job to do, she wrote. I am not concerned with the calls, the emails, or ads, and you should not concern yourself with them. Um, spoken like a true leader. Um, Ravana, thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the ad is absolutely absurd. Every time he says she's been accused of so and so, well, I can accuse anyone of doing anything. That doesn't mean there's any merit to the <laughs> to the accusation. Um, but I would say she absolutely handled that with, uh, you know, grace and poise to say we're not going to deal with this. We're going to do our jobs because she's an absolute professional and all this is trying to do is muddy the waters ahead of you know uh, further indictments for Trump and ahead of any sort of litigation that he's going to face um and I'll say honestly uh, I don't think it's necessarily going to work out for him <laughs> in the end so uh, at the end I think she'll be the one smiling and he'll probably be the one behind bars yeah I mean for those who would say you know we can't we can't lock up a former president what? We're talking about Trump. Like Trump. All right. Okay. A pastor, well, prominent pastor, says, hey, what's happening here? People are rejecting the teachings of Jesus to adopt the teachings of Trump. Let's put him up full mass. You don't say, preacher. Evangelical Christian leader Dr. Russell Moore revealed this week that many evangelical pastors have become alarmed that their Trump loving congregants have become so militant that they are even rejecting the teachings of Jesus Christ. What? Pastor, no. In an interview with NPR, Dr. Moore said that multiple pastors had told him Disturbing stories about their congregants being upset when they read from the famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, in which Christ espoused the principles of forgiveness and mercy as central to Christian doctrine. You know, things that liberals believe, by the way. There's more. Multiple pastors tell me essentially the same story about quoting the Sermon on the Mount. Parenthetically, and they're preaching, turn the other cheek. And to have someone come up after to say, where did you get those liberal talking points? <laughs> Question mark, Dr. Moore revealed. And what was alarming to me is that most of these scenarios, when the pastor would say, I'm literally quoting Jesus Christ, who was a progressive, by the way, the response, would not be, I apologize. The response would be, yeah, but that doesn't work anymore. That's weak. Dr. Moore, who has been an outspoken critic of many evangelicals embrace of Trump argues that this has led him to conclude that American evangelical Christianity is now in crisis. I think that the roots of the political problem really come down to disconnection, loneliness, and sense of alienation. Even in churches that are still healthy and functioning, regular church going is not what it was a generation ago, in which the entire structure of the week was defined by the community. Um, let me do this for you, uh, Pastor. I'll put up the Pastor. Pastor Moore, I've actually appreciated the fact that you are willing to stand up and say things contrary to the a normative Christian evangelical values, but in this case, dear sir, you are incorrect as far as your conclusion as to what's happening. According to you, Pastor Moore, the reason this is happening is because individuals in your church feel disconnected, lonely, and alienated. 
Let me help you understand what's happening, sir. You all have espoused a false gospel. You all have led a political movement disguised as a spiritual movement. The ideology of the Christian evangelical church has always been antithetical to progress and diversity. Hierarchy and masculinity is the rule of the day for you all. The Christian evangelical church, as you say, is now losing its way. Sir, you all did not even march with Dr. King. I think you lost your way a long time ago. And here's the reality, sir. This is the Jesus your Christian evangelical churches preach every Sunday. You provided a false representation, a fictional character of the Messiah. That is the reason your congregants are following a false representation of fictional Messiah, Donald Trump. All right, Ravonna, thoughts? Well, my first thought when I read this headline for the story, you know, seeing pastor says that evangelicals are replacing Jesus with Trump, my first thought was, yeah, duh, <laughs> that has been the case. And you're exactly right that it is, uh, you know, the core teachings of this church. I mean, we're talking about this a white Jesus who loved capitalism and would have had his own private jet if he was alive today. Of course, they see that in Donald Trump. The irony is that Donald Trump is not a, a, a Jesus-loving man himself. You know, maybe that idea of Christianity he follows. But this is a man who couldn't even say, you know, what his favorite Bible verse was. He couldn't even name his favorite. Testament. <laughs> this is not a man who's familiar with the love of Jesus, but maybe then the evangelical church needs to do some in, you know, introspection and in how so many of its members of its congregation could turn to this false prophet after right. listening to their teachings. That's right. So now you have to ask yourself, Dr. Moore, what have we been teaching to where our congregants are literally identifying with white nationalism? racism and bigotry over the actual teachings of Christ. That is a question that you're gonna have to deal with, sir. White supremacist organization, they're now suing because they got infiltrated and exposed. And they're like, well, wait a minute, we didn't want anyone to know that we were actual white supremacists. I mean, what, what are you doing here? We gotta be civil about this stuff. Put it up full mass, hell of a thing. Uh, members of the far right group Patriot Front are seen marching through Washington DC. This was back May 13, 2023. The far right white supremacist group has now filed a lawsuit against a Washington man they accused of harassment and sharing sensitive information, which resulted in members losing their jobs. The lawsuit obtained by Atlanta, by Atlanta Black Star was filed against David Allen Capitos, the second, an activist also referred to as Art Kinglansky, which is a Russian name. It alleges that the infiltrated that he infiltrated the group use, using a false identity and later gained unauthorized access to confidential information from Patriot Front's computer databases, confidential racist information, as the Seattle Times reported. The man is 37 years old, was a member of the left group. 
I think this is Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club. Patriot Front is labeled as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. They are linked to vandalizing public displays that honor police brutality victims, the LGBTQ community, and black culture in general. They're also known for executing unannounced demonstrations nationwide and touting racist propaganda. Per a timeline posted by SPLC. The lawsuit alleges that the infiltrator led a doxing campaign and exposed the identities of the group's members, which in turn caused them serious harm, including loss of their jobs. For instance, according to the court document, one of the plaintiffs identified as Paul Gancars claims that he lost his six-figure civil engineering job due to the actions of the infiltrator. Other plaintiffs, um, Daniel Tarikti, Colton Brown, and James Johnson say they were terminated from their real estate brokerage, electrician, and HVAC tech companies. The lawsuit claims Johnson's wife also was booted from her $60,000 a year gig. According to the lawsuit, um, the infiltrator used his privileges to download information from the group's confidential chats, which were eventually posted. On the DDOS website, the group security team removed his access December 2021. It alleges that he also harassed the members by slashing their tires and hanging flyers in their neighborhoods. The lawsuit requests legal related fees, punitive, exemplary damages, barring him from further using the information. Documents say. Now, kids, what have we learned here? It doesn't pay to be a racist. There it is. And listen, I really hope that the judge who gets this case is in the spirit of, um, let's say, Gregory Mathis. All right, Ravana, thoughts? I mean, first thoughts are, I'm glad this happened to them. You deserved every little bit of this. And maybe you should do some introspection that your membership to these groups, uh, when exposed, has these horrifying social repercussions for you because the actions of these groups are truly and utterly horrifying. And it's just a little bit ironic considering one of the things that these groups do is try to expose civil rights. They try to dock civil rights activists, people protesting for racial justice to get them harassed at their home. So, you know, it's justice in a way that this happened oh, to yeah. them, and I'm sure that this, you know, lawsuit is, you know, yeah, it's not going to. No judge is going to think that right. this has any value, any merit. Quite to amazing, it. quite amazing. Always an honor to have you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Absolutely, everybody can see my videos on Rebel HQ on YouTube and Facebook. You can also check out my Twitter for updates at Ravana TTV. And thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.